This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome back, everyone, to another online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com, where once again, we're shining a spotlight on one of the smartest and freshest plays here in the small and microcap market. We are speaking once again with Progressive Care Incorporated, ticker symbol RXMD. We've been speaking with the company since early in the year 2018, and oh, what a year it's been for this company. Lots going on with the company, but even more than that, lots going on within their industry and marketplace, and we're going to touch on some of those items today in this interview. But before we could do that, let's welcome our guest, CEO Sheetal Mar. Sheetal, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to call in because... For your industry, anyways, big news, CVS, talking about home delivery. Of course, your shareholders who have reached out to me are really wanting to know, is this impact a good one? Is this a negative one? What is this CVS entry into the home delivery market? How is that going to affect your company? We think it's absolutely wonderful that CVS is getting into home delivery. Obviously, access and getting medication is often an impediment to adherence. And we're finally happy that CVS is recognizing what we have known for over 10 years here, that you have to get the, pay, the prescriptions and the medications direct to the patient home to prevent gaps, to prevent problems with adherence. So we, we take it as great news. I know that for a lot of shareholders it comes as a surprise, but in the Miami market, South Florida market, CVS has already implemented much of that delivery model Many of the CVSs, especially around us and all the way up through Palm Beach County, offer delivery. So I want you to keep in mind, Stuart, with the announcement yesterday, the home delivery service comes with a fee. So patients of ours that are happy with home delivery, that are used to it, they would have to then switch from a company like ours that offers it for free to a company like CVS that's going to charge them four ninety nine. For next day, or eight ninety nine upwards of eight ninety nine for same day delivery. I don't see many patients of ours who have been getting delivery service that they're happy with and have been getting it for free making that switch. So it hasn't impacted us much, 
And, and the reason is DVS and Farmco, Progressive Care owns Farmco as a subsidiary, are not direct competitors. While we are in the same industry, we're both pharmacies, we both treat patients, our suite of services are very different from CVS's suite of services. And we, we focus on adherence, we focus on doctors, we focus on, on risk management, we, we focus on underserved demographics. And so while our patients continue to come to us and continue to work with us, we haven't seen any impact of the delivery model that CVS is implementing on our business or our growth trajectory. And honestly, we, we see it as welcome news. Anything that brings better health care to the community is good. Well, and it takes me into another question that was sent in by an investor, and it is a topical question, especially with the news yesterday. I think we'd know about it if it happened, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you this anyways. Are we receiving any buyout offers from the Walmarts, the Amazons, the CVS, and Walgreens types yet? Not in that way. CVS routinely and Walgreens, all these chains, routinely send letters indicating that they're interested in buying pharmacies. However, not evaluations that we would ever entertain because the only value they're sending in those letters are just for prescription data and not for the business model. And so we haven't entertained any of those letters seriously. We haven't had conversations directly with any of the major chains about, about buyouts in that way. How they're penetrating the market and these demographics, they will not be as successful as we are in retaining those patients the way we do. The only way to be successful, especially in the South Florida demographics that we serve, is to potentially buy a company, if not us, a company like us that does adherence, does the packaging, does the consultation, does the risk management. So they would need a company with expertise in the clinical studies, expertise in dealing with patients, expertise in community relations in order to be successful with the South Florida community or any metropolitan community to get more and more patients in under their umbrella. Well, let's change gears a little bit and talk about the capstra or the capital formation for the company and another question that has come in, how we release the final tranche of shares to venture uh, yet for the repayment of the loan acquisition. So the question, if I can reform it there, is has it been released yet? I know there's a tranche of shares due to Chicago Ventures for the repayment of the loan for the acquisition and have those shares been released to Chicago Ventures? No, um, we have about $150,000 left on the note. Um, I know for for many people, they've been concerned about Chicago Venture Partners selling in the market. I want everyone to keep in mind that they've been receiving shares since, I believe, April, and they've been very slow to sell. So when they sell out of, uh, of a batch of shares, that's when they call to request more. They're trying to stay, they, their agreements are upwards of 10% of the daily volume. I think usually they're at 2 to 3%. So they're trying to make sure that they don't impact the stock, and we've been very appreciative of that. But we have about $150,000 left. We estimate that that's going to be about 3 million shares. And I think I've, I've already kind of put out there the total number that would be, and this, this $3 million would be inclusive of that, not... In on top of what I've already put out as an estimate of total shares on this tranche of funding. 
That's a great point talking about how we've talked about these topics. And of course, we did have the earnings conference call and talked all things fundraising, all things accounting. And that's a great place for listeners who haven't had a chance yet to go back to and listen to that interview. So, Sheetal, since we're talking about Chicago Ventures, let me then dovetail in a question about any upcoming acquisition targets here in 2018. What is the likelihood of completing another acquisition in 2018? Acquisitions are always something we're considering. We're always having conversations with a number of different entities at any given time uh, about acquisitions or, or mergers or anything like that. I always refrain from providing timelines until we have something concrete. And so at this time, I can't really comment on any stage of conversation, but just know for everybody that an acquisition is always something we're considering and always something we're working on. What about locations? Uh, Second location finalization. The question is, is this complete? If not, is there a new projected date? Uh, What's going on with this next location? So the next location is moving on, moving along exactly as we anticipated. We expect to close on it as of the end of this month. And we chose that time for a couple of different reasons. Not that there's any delay or holdups, regulatory or otherwise because it's cleaner for us financially and for our financial reporting purposes, and also provides ample wiggle room for our notification periods. With Medicaid and the DEA, we have a certain amount of time in advance of closing that we must notify them of any acquisition. And so we wanted to make sure that we don't miss those period end dates by a day just by rushing. So we're we're most likely going to close at the end of June. And that's so far, that we have no indication that that won't happen. Very good. Well, another hot topic for the company was your entry or discussion about CBD and the plans there. Uh, any movement in that area that you can discuss today? So we've been working on a particular angle with CBD. We want to make sure our shareholders understand we're not looking to simply put a white label on an already available product that isn't differentiated from the market in any way, shape, or form. So we're trying to locate a CBD manufacturer that also has clinical lab capabilities. We want to make sure that we can integrate CBD as a healthcare product, that we can differentiate the products that PharmCo provides from anything else in the market when it comes to therapeutic results, when it comes to pain management or treatment of any kind of disorder or disease or condition. So we want to make sure that we also control the process with the regulations that are involved, and especially with us as a pharmacy, and there's some uncertainty with how uh, CBD is treated at a federal level. We want to make sure that we have all of our I's dotted, all of our T's crossed, and that we follow the process from plant to production to the patient's doorstep. You know, in working with the company and answering shareholder emails, I know this one has come up before and we were able to answer it, but maybe we could get some clarification now on how super votes do not affect reverse split increases when it comes the time for a NASDAQ uplisting, which I'm going to follow up and ask you about the projection and expectation for the NASDAQ listing as well. So let's talk about super votes. I know that there is some confusion. Back in 2014, we did a vote to approve super voting shares and to approve an additional uh, amount of authorized shares to accommodate the 3A10 transaction. That saved the company. We were 
really happy to do that. But the reason we were able to do that is at that time, the majority of the common shares were held by insiders. And so we were able to, without having to open it up to the full contingent of shareholders, do it in-house with the insider vote on common shares only. No super votes ever apply with authorization of new, new shares or, or reverse splits or anything, anything like that. So today, where we have thousands of shareholders owning our common stocks, it is important that they all have a say. None of the insiders or any grouping of insiders have majority control over the common share vote. So we would then have to go to the shareholders, the common shareholders, and ask them whether they approve of any change in the share structure, any change in our capital structure when it comes to authorizing new shares, regular splits, reverse splits, whatever it may be. Well, we did touch on this in the earnings call, and it's something that I know is on the radar for the company. So a NASDAQ listing, how is that coming along? I know it's a goal that's out there in the future, but any movement there? So we have been working really hard, and and the movement on that is getting clarification from the SEC. So we've been working with our attorneys and our, our financial partners to get clarification from the SEC on what it will take to get us from alternative reporting status to full reporting with the SEC. We think that's, that's you know, the first step in the uplift process. Once we figure out and once we get some clarification on what the SEC wants or would require of us to, to re-register with them, then the uplift process is fairly simple from there. Then it's, it's communicating with our shareholders if we have to do something with our capital structure, and then filing whatever filing we have to do and paying any fees we have, we have to pay. So we expect, at least on the, on the fully reporting portion of that, that the end date of that is going to be March 31st, which is the, the due date of the 10K. At that point, we would then decide whether uh, to go right to NASDAQ, whether there's a, a step in between. But we know that we're, we're moving there, and we think the timeline is still already what we've said before. So checking the social media radar, there's been some posts about this, the addition of a new physician group to the RxMD customer base. What can you tell us about that? We have been really pleased with the progress that we've had both at FarmCo and at Touchpoint. We've been communicating with a lot of Palm Beach County doctors, and we are pleased to say that we've had developed relationships with a couple of new doctors in Palm Beach County who are already sending new prescriptions touchpoint so we are on target to build that growth of 30 to 50 percent that i had projected um when i when we did our earnings call and it's same thing with farmco that we've added a number of physicians groups and that's why we've gone from twenty thousand dollars twenty thousand prescriptions a month to upwards of twenty three thousand prescriptions a month is because of those addition of physicians and sheeta let me ask you another question are there any other deals like the century village type in the work Yes, so we have been working on our own proprietary software for for our telepharmacy platform, which would allow us to deliver pharmacy-type consultation services via a visual interface. So we have been looking at independent living facilities and working on that platform, but the the great thing is we will be launching shortly a desktop version of this application for doctor's offices who want to be able to communicate directly with the pharmacy and not even need the hardware. So we are very excited. We, we believe that the software 
should be done within a few weeks, latest by the end of July, and we would be able to roll that out to independent living facilities, assisted living facilities, and large-scale clinics. Well, Sheetal, I want to thank you for your time today. I appreciate you addressing these shareholder comments, questions, and concerns head on. It really makes my job that much easier. Thanks for your time today, Sheetal. Thank you. Well, listeners, I do want to remind you, we do have an earnings call coming up. So those accounting questions, those are appropriate for that time. Send them to me. You know how to reach me, info at Small Cap Voice, S. Smith at Small Cap Voice. Uh, We do have that coming up. I want to thank everybody for their contribution to this interview by sending in their questions as well. For Sheetal Mars, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.